On this episode of Progressive Palaver, the group discusses King's X's Dogman and Ear Candy. Hi and welcome to Progressive Palaver, a group of lifelong friends discussing the greatest progressive rock bands, album by album. I'm Joe Beauclair, and on this episode of Progressive Palaver, I'm joined by my very good friends, Ken Gregory, Paul Zotter, Tom Corcoran, and J.D. Virgilio, as we continue our discussion of the King's X catalog, moving past the Sam Taylor era into Dogman and Ear Candy. It's all good, man. I think this is spectacular. But tonight is a very, very important night, and I'm, I'm very happy that we're all here because there's there's been some trash talking going on here uh, over the uh, over the group chat for the last you know week or so, and so tonight we are going to cover King's X's Dogman and Ear Candy. So. In order to uh, to set the stage, I'm going to sort of introduce both of these albums up front, and that way we have free range to go where we need to go at that point. So, Dogman was released in 1994, and it's a marked departure because the producer is now one Brendan O'Brien. Sam Taylor has been kicked to the curb. <laughs> has the, the standard and only King's X lineup of Doug Pinnock, Ty Tabor, and Jerry Gaskell on bass, guitars, and drums, respectively, and all having vocal duty. The blurb is as follows. Dogman is the fifth studio album by American heavy metal slash hard rock trio King's X, released in 1994. It marks the band's second album under Atlantic and their first to not be produced by Sam Taylor. Instead, the album was produced by Brendan O'Brien, who had recently worked with Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, and the Black Crows. Dogman signaled a heavier direction for King's X and, with strong approval from both critics and fans, is often considered one of their best works. Ear Candy was released uh, two years later in 1996, and it was produced by Arnold Lanny and King's X. Also released on Atlantic, the band lineup remains the same. The blurb says, Ear Candy is the sixth album by heavy metal slash hard rock trio King's X released in 1996. The album has two songs which are rewritten versions of earlier songs. Picture is also known as The Door, a song with different lyrics released on their pre-King's X release sneak preview. Uh, what? <laughs> the song Mississippi Moon is mainly inspired on the song If I Could Fly, which King's X played in shows after they had changed their name to its definite, for definite, definite version, King's X. And I've also got something here. The bonus track, Freedom, can also be found as B-side on the single, A Box. It was later given a proper release on the album, Ogre Tones. Now, before... Joe, can you repeat that last bit um, about the box? I, don't, I didn't understand. Sure. 
The bonus track. The the bonus track, Freedom, which I have never heard, can also be found as a B-side of the single A Box. It was later later given a proper release on the album Ogre Tones. Okay. I do think it's important that we we very carefully go through this one album at a time and not do it all together like we may have done in the past. (laughs) I, I don't disagree with you. Now, I, I do want to, to, to provide a, a little tidbit of something that I learned in my preparation for this episode, of which I was not aware. And I almost fell out of my chair when I came across this. And that is, um, and let me find my notes here. I want to make sure I get this right. This is very, very, very important. So in 1981-82, Doug Pinnock auditioned to be the lead singer of Kansas after the departure of Steve Walsh. Wow. Can you imagine? (laughs) I just... Wow. You know, I find that amazing because my, my brother happens to be very, very good friends with John Elefante, who, in fact, became the second singer of Kansas. And I, I had no idea that, you know, Doug Pinnock was old enough to be doing this back then. And mm. I, I can't I can't even imagine what that would have would have sounded like. Imagine what Carry On Wayward Son live with Doug <laughs> with his dragon breath bass. Could you imagine? That'd be intense. That would be something. So so, Dogman. There's been a lot of discussion about Dogman. Um, I was I was thinking as I was preparing for this that there was going to be a long, long discussion about Brendan O'Brien. But in fact, when I tried to dig into Brendan O'Brien, I found not a whole lot there that was interesting or that, that you know was going to drive me. And but but clearly from from a production point of view, this is a different beast. Um, you know, Sam Taylor had a certain production style, and you know, by all accounts, the band maybe felt that it didn't capture what they were going for. But it was it was certainly an identity. It was, it was coherent, and it is not this. Um, <laughs> So, you know, and I think we'll, we'll get into that. The other sort of overarching thing about this album, really, and we've talked about this before, is the fact that it came out in, uh, in 94. And 94, by all accounts, was a very, very good year for mm-hmm. albums. I just, it, was, it was the first full year I lived in Texas, and I just, I remember, you know, every couple months, something spectacular coming out that was just, you know, flooring me. And, and Dogman was one of those. And, so when, and 1994 was, in fact, the Chinese Year of the Dog. Oh, well, there you go. Wow. Never think of me. Okay. <laughs> I, and, and so from, from the, very, the very open, I mean, just right out of the gate, this album tells you, I am not... You know, Sam Taylor's King's X. 
I am my own yeah. King's X. I am something new. I am something different. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, yeah. I, I think the opening to Dogman is, is really something, you know, it's, it's super cool. And, and Tom has been, has been using it um, all week <laughs> in, in various forms to great effect, I have to say. But, uh, yeah, that would be the smack talking, uh, give me a dollar, give me 50 cents. <laughs> and then fill in your derogatory statements about any of the members of the class. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so, so, you know, I'm, I'm, Tom, I'm going to, I'm going to go to you because you have been just waxing rhapsodic about this album and on the edge of your seat seemingly to talk about it. So, you know, what what is it about Dogman that just, you know, resonates with you so strongly? Oh, thank you, Joe. Um, <clears throat> this album, um, you touched yeah. upon a little bit with the you know the, the change producer or, or whatnot, but I've never been one to really get off, so to speak, on just like talking about a guitar sound or whatever. To me, uh, uh, bands are about the, the the songs, and I'm more about like the the big picture. But um, as you you mentioned this album, and we kind of touched upon it um you know uh, talking about uh, the, the first two albums but um this album in particular when i first played it um the guitar sound just reached out and just smacked me right in the face i mean it, it was just uh i had this to me was just like the best guitar sound i had ever heard and i mean i've never really consider myself a guitar player i play guitar just as a writing instrument but um uh, that the guitar sound just really really um inspired me and uh, of course if it was just the guitar sound it that <laughs> it would have been nothing because it's all about the songs right so um we can you know talk more about the songs but uh, this to me uh, was a lot of the songs, you know, a lot of the, the bands that we'll talk about sort of have highs and lows and really different styles of, of the albums. And, you know, a lot of there's different play, you know, people on different albums, you know, uh, you know, yes, has different players on different albums, really has different singers, singer, whatever. Um, because Kings X had the same three players in in every recording they've ever done to me they don't have those dramatic highs and lows those crazy dynamics if you will um and uh, I, I certainly wouldn't say all this all the albums sound the same the exception to that is dogman to me because i think it really brings in the heaviness that we love in king's x but we still have the melody and the harmony and we still have the songwriting. Um, and it's just, and it's just King's X on steroids. And, and it's a, it's just an extreme uh, to me. And 
it, it just, um, maybe the reason I, you know, I like, you know, people like fish or whatever, it's just because it just, I like things that like really st stick out and like hit you. And uh, Dogman, just from out, out of the gate, uh, just really affected me. And um, I just, everything that I love about King's X, and, you know, I, I think from our discussions that we love about King's X, is there. It's just, it's just a, a, a meteor side. And... Um, I'm have I have trouble finding a song that I don't like on on the record. Uh, I call it a record. Gosh, we can call it whatever CD or recording. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, we're, um, we're we're all 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 we are right, all, right. All, we understand exactly. Um, <laughs> and there are just haunting melodies that come through that just really affect me and you know um flies and blue skies like you you just have these um just beautiful melodies floating over well i mean that's a ballad but um just 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 flo floating over um just really interesting uh melodic instrumentation and 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 harmony and it, it's really you know the songs ultimately you know one of the things we talked about before was, you know, should King's X be considered progressive rock? And, you know, we, 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 we chatted about this. And I think that these two albums, I, I know I won't talk too much about um, Ear Candy, but these two albums in, in particular uh, have such um, dichotomy between the, the harmony... And, and the melody, and there's just so many things going on um, un under the melody. And, you know, Doug will be playing some, some counter rhythm thing on the bass, and that just and it's just sticking out, but it just sounds so good mixed with um, what, what Ty's playing. And um, uh, that, to me, is, is progressive, uh, progressive rock. They may not be, you know, 15-minute songs, and... Um, it could, they, they may be just love songs, you know, some of them are just straight up love songs. So, um, but it's just some of the, um, instrumentation in there is, is really what, um, I would, I would, you know, vote as, you know, still being progressive rock. Now we're talking about it, whether or not we agree anyway, so, <laughs> we're talking, it does, it, it, the point is moot, but, um, it, you know, it, it's like if you ask any one of us what our favorite album is, we're probably going to have something different. And, you know, it's like, well, what does it mean to you? And it's, it's sort of hard sometimes to put into words. But um, I think that uh, I didn't get a chance to talk about, you know, Faith, Hope, Love. I think that um, maybe because that was one of my least favorite albums, um, and then I, I did I did really like the King's X album. Um, the fact that this came out and it, it just hit me so hard. It was just like, this was the album where I'm like, all right, King's X is here to stay. I wasn't quite sure with Faith, Hope, Love. And I was like, okay, well, what are these guys going to do? Are they going to go off the deep end? And, you know, it's then still there's a couple okay songs uh, or a couple not so okay songs on the King's X album. So th this was the album that was like, all right, King's X is um, 
you know, still here. So, you know, I just, uh, I just love the heaviness. I love the raw sound, and I love the fact that they still keep the melody. They, they, they weren't, you know, there were. Um, I'll give you an example. Uh, I promise I won't go off on on Iron Maiden, but you know, there was a couple of later songs that. Um, it, well, not later, but you know, mid sort of career, the Iron Maiden. They were they were trying to find their roots again, right? And they were like, okay, and they just got heavy, but they sort of lost the melody, and they they sort of lost their way a bit. And I think that uh, King's X may have just they they wanted to go heavy, but they still kept what was the core of King's X by having the melodies, by having the harmonies. Um, if I would just say, you know, one thing I don't quite like about the record, uh, and bringing up um, the Beatles, sometimes the Ty Tabor Beatles thing gets a little old um, with some of the stuff. It kind of comes in a little much, I think, and especially uh, the ballad, you know, Flies and Blue Skies. You can sort of tone that stuff down a little bit. I don't, I don't know if you need quite need it, but. Ultimately, I don't know. I mean, I, I just it, it just hits me in the heart uh, a, a lot of the songs, and uh, I, I don't I don't think there's a weak song on the on on the CD. So, um, you know, I'd like to hear what you guys say, and you know, I'll probably follow up with, you know, what you guys uh, comment on the on on the songs. Ooh, real quick, I have to wonder if the Beatles influence isn't also Jerry. If you listen to American Cheese on the next album, there's a huge Beatles influence there, but that's just speculation. Paul, you were going to say something? Um, you know, Tom, I think that we talked earlier, I, I think the first episode on King's X, we talked about how like, we were so enamored with the King's X sound because it really wasn't something that we were used to hearing. It was just a little different. And, and yet, you know, I've seen so many interviews where they talk about how they really didn't like the way they sounded and out of the silent planet and Gretchen because it, it was so much softer than what their real sound was, or just didn't quite capture their sound. And, and I think this was the first album that they were like, yeah, this is what a King's X show really sounds like. And um, I think that you could, you could maybe make the argument in some cases that maybe they went a little overboard in capturing um, <laughs> their their live sound although there is um you know the the thing that strikes me about the sound on this album as i went through and listened to it is is that as incredible as ty Tabor's guitar sound is and you know as a guitar player there was much ado made about the fact that ty Tabor switched to mesa boogie amps and got a dual rectifier and all of a sudden everybody wanted a dual rectifier amp because you know, it was sounded incredible, and, and then everybody found out that most of the tone is in the hands. And um, but nonetheless, like as as incredible as his sound is, the the bass is covering like so much low end, and so and and even in some mid range, that the the complement between what the guitar is doing and the bass is doing really does make that that huge wall of sound and can you you i thought towards the end of the last episode you made this great comment about doug's bass sounding like dragon's breath 
And uh, as I was listening sure. to yeah. John Gannon, all I could think of <laughs> as I'm listening through all these great bass lines that just like, you know, especially under the solo or even in like Black the Sky while, um, you know, Ty's wailing on the wah-wah and Doug's playing the main riff. Um, I don't know if he's playing a 12-string bass or if he's just got it so distorted, but it just sounds so badass the way he is just killing it. And um, it's great. I, this, if oddly enough, I, you know, this is not my favorite album. I was, I was planning on, you know, listening to it very critically and being like, oh yeah, this is why it's not my favorite. This is why it's not my favorite. But after listening to this, I was like, man, like every single song on here is, is just kick ass. Go to hell. Maybe is not, you know, that's probably one I skip over. And, um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, that almost sounds like a studio blurb that they just decided to throw in there. I mean, it's, it's not even a minute long, I don't think. But, but um, yeah, the sound is definitely, you know, they, they hit it. I'm very curious to hear, uh, you know, Jay's thoughts on the drum sound of uh, Dogman and, and the, the drum playing on, uh, on Dogman as it evolves. Yeah, well, the drum sound definitely is better on this album. It's uh, world's better than uh, going back to Faith, Hope, Love. Um, <coughs> I'm familiar with King's X in between there, so uh, I can't remember what that sounds like. But it, it's a lot better on this album. I, I enjoy hearing it on this album. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I have to echo some of the comments about the bass on, on this album. I always love the, uh, the there's a, a slide up that he does on um, I think it's sunshine, sunshine. Yeah, Rings. it just it gets me every time. I just love it. But uh, one of the things that Joe alluded to was uh, like uh, where he was when where he was in life when this album came out, and I can't separate this this album from uh, that winter because. I it looks like it came out in January, but I just remember having it in the winter and all the snow that was out that year. Yeah. And uh, I, I, for whatever reason, I always break this album out in the winter because I associate the two. And, uh, That's awesome. Yeah. And not to mention that in 94, uh, you know, I, I wasn't married yet, but we were, uh, Elisa and I were uh, still you know, just getting to know each other at that point. So it was uh, an amazing time. And this just uh, kind of went right along with it. So, Yeah, I was, I was, I was talking with Paul about Toad uh, Let's Brocket and their album Fear is one of those things where I always associate it with the living room of his parents' house on Algonquin Drive. Uh -huh. um, and, and as I was, I was listening to that in preparation for that concert, it was, again, it was one of those things where it just... You know, as soon as I started listening to it, all I could picture was was that living room. It was amazing how it uh, takes you back there. Now, for me, you know, when I remember when this came out, I remember, like I said, 1994 pretty well. And yeah, I was I was absolutely in the throes of this album. Thought it was spectacular. Thought it was great. Um, you know. I, I, I agree with you, Paul, in that, you know, I think this is a case, especially when you look at Ear Candy coming up next, but I think this is a case of swinging the pendulum out a little bit too far 
before it kind of comes back. Um, but uh, but yeah, at the time, you know, I I I thought it was I thought it was the bee's knees. Um, I'm I, I find myself much less enamored with it today um, than I was back then, and I was I was a little surprised by that as I went through it. Um, you know, in preparation for this, especially because I, you know, and you have these perceptions that you sort of build up over time. And my perception was this, this album was pretty much the end of, of, you know, what I'll call strong King's X. But I think... Oh, say that again, Joe, so I can hear the, the term. The end of strong King's X. Oh, strong. Okay, okay. Strong. Yes. Understood, uh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, I I had it in my head that after this, you know, when we go into Ear Candy and Mr. Bulbous and what's the one after that? Um, oh, uh, Tapehead. Tapehead, and there's another one. You know, it, it's almost like that that middle Marillion, the, the salvage.com period, where it's like, you know, if you would pick and choose your songs a little bit better, maybe these albums would be, would be better. But... You know, as I was getting into this, now as I was listening to this, I, you know, Dogman, in in my opinion, Dogman starts out great, um, but I do think the the production is too far the other way, and that's why I was, you know, when I, like I said, I expected to have something to talk about with Brendan O'Brien, but there was nothing there because, I mean, with the exception of, I guess he won a Grammy with uh, with Bruce Springsteen somehow. You know, he hasn't really done anything, and and quite frankly, I, I found what hasn't what done anything. I'm out. Are you looking oh. up the right guy, dude? The, yeah, he did oh, everything he, he in a decade. Everything. He hasn't done anything I really give a shit about. How about that? Oh, he did something with Kansas. Uh, well, you know, I saw that, and that's that was one of the rabbit holes I went down. I couldn't find what the hell he did with Kansas. There is nothing listed on Kansas's lit uh, set that has anything to do with Brendan O'Brien. Nothing at all. He was probably like a um, engineer something. So, Joe, about an hour ago, I mentioned about all of those bands in the '90s that I, that I just you know couldn't stand. He produced yeah. almost all of them. <laughs> Are you talking about My Chemical Romance? Oh. <laughs> many, many of many, and, I, and I'm I'm being a little little facetious. Oh, a little okay, I've, I've got the list: <laughs> Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots, Bruce yeah. Springsteen, they won a Grammy, ACDC, Incubus, Rage Against the Machine, Red Hot Chili Peppers, which I like, but I don't know what he did for them. Train, Audio Slaves, See There, Bob Dylan, Neil Young, Kansas, Black Rose, Aerosmith, Soundgarden, The Offspring, Corn, The Killers, and My Chemical Romance. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is strong feeling. Well, <laughs> he, he had a big hand in the sound of of the of the nineties, and um, I, I I just you know and and part of the thing that I was questioning, and we've had this discussion with with other albums at this time. And and Paul, you you had this theory, so I'm going to sort of bounce this off to you. And and you know, yeah, this was 
this was sort of the advent of the digital recording and is some of the overblown nature of this production a fact you know or, or an offshoot of everyone trying to get their handle on how to do this um i i, I don't know i feel like um like i if if so we talked about I truly believe that there are a lot of people who were the grunge movement who were really influenced by King's X and really loved them. And, and I think Brendan O'Brien was one of them and bringing them in to the studio to record a record. Like this is the band that, you know, in a sense, <clears throat> what, what, you know, this, you know, they, I, I refer to them as the grandfathers of grunge. They were, they were the, people who like planted the seed right and so but, what are you gonna do no, they, you they can't just from the pacific northwest yeah but you can't just like you can't just like make another grunge album you have to you have to go over the top and um and they did it and like i just every time i think like oh i'm i'm gonna listen to this and i'm gonna think it's too heavy and it's too over the top um, I hear this. And that's just like, yes! Come on! <laughs> that is not too big. It's not over the top. It's ridiculous. And, um, and, and, and I, also, I also get, I, for some reason, whenever I listen to this, I get the sense that they recorded this album in in like a weekend you know it, it has such a live feel to it and um and and maybe it's just because um i had you know for for whatever reason i have this very strong feeling that sam taylor screwed them they had no money they were screwed by their um management and they were trying to figure out what to do and brendan o'brien was like yeah he comes to the rescue and they whip Dogman together pretty quickly. It's probably not the case, but it just sounds, it's got such a great live feel and it just sounds so killer that it just, it just really, you feel like they just wheeled the amps and the drums into the studio. They put mics in front of them and they just went to town and they just cut tracks. And, uh, and you know, a week later, boom, Dogman. Um, okay, okay, okay. That's that's the the good side of the production, the good side of the, the the power behind this, or the pendulum swinging very hard towards power. Um, I think we glossed over the loudness war, Paul. W this has come up with Russian vapor trails before. Yeah, yeah. So, so would would you agree with some of the folks on the net who say that uh, Brendan O'Brien contributed to the loudness war? I, I would have to say that he probably did, sure. Okay, and and, and, and is, is King's X flirting with maybe too much compression volume on this album? Well, it's hard to tell now because I listened to everything on Spotify and they are more or less changing everything So to, to, to correct that. So. That's but true, that's probably, that's true. Probably say, to Spotify. Yes. I can't remember when I was making mixtapes with this how much I had to adjust the level to, to get it inside the realm of okay. 
But I do remember listening to uh, Dogman at Colby at Colby's house, and we were just sitting there talking, and they came out of the solo of um, "Fool You," and it's like it's like, and it just like stops while the vocals are going, and it, it almost sounded like somebody like turned the volume down, and <laughs> like and then like the the dun 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 came again, and like the 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 liquid in our drinks was like bobbing up and down like in Jurassic Park. So so probably it was probably very loud. So so this is this is interesting because, you know, and, and this just speaks to how fucking old I am. Yeah, and we ran into this with Afraid of Sunlight because Tom was listening, I presume off Spotify or some some online service and he had access to basically the remastered version mm. and you know paul what you displayed me right now sounded a lot less muddy than the the original cd that i've been living with for the last you know 20 years or whatever the hell it is and so you know it, it's uh, i think the fact that you know when when something like this goes up on spotify that you know people apparently take the time to correct some of these things, I think speaks a lot to maybe some of the sins of the past, if that's the phrase I'm going to use. You know, and and I'm going to I'm going to make the statement right now and I'm I'm interested to see the feedback from this. The other aspect of Dogman that I think it suffers from and there were, you know, as we moved, you know, as as the music industry was moving to to CDs at this point, there are a lot of albums that, quite honestly, don't need to be seventy minutes long. And I think Dogman is one of them. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, you could cut out everything from Black the Sky to Cigarettes, and I would be well, maybe fool you to Cigarettes. And I would be fine. Just I, I find that whole section yes, to be yes. monotonous. Yes, and you don't like cigarettes. You don't like cigarettes? <laughs> I, no, I like cigarettes. Bring cigarettes back in, but everything in the middle. You I, I, I don't need it. I, I well, just, sunshine I, rain. Human you behavior. You're a big fan of human behavior, right? That song. I no, know. I'm not. Not no, anymore. No, Jay is though. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's one of the pillars of the album. Oh, pillars. No. <laughs> <laughs> Dogman, Dog Black This Guy, Human Behavior, and uh, Pillow. Yes. Pillow. I mean, if and, and I could get behind human behavior if I hadn't had to sit through Fool You and Don't Care and Sunshine Rain and complain before there. Because all of that just kind of... Blah, blah. Okay, so Pillow, they're going down to C-sharp tuning... <coughs> D was low enough. Paul, you brought this up in our last discussion about King's X and Faith Oak Love. But, um, you know, in the live shows, I guess they started going down to C-sharp. But here on the album, they're in C-sharp. And it's really low. It's really low. And it, it, Pillow is like, if Beavis and Butthead were going to parody King's X, he's like, yeah, go lower. Go ahead and lower. 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 <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> and then the, and the willow thundering pillow willow thundering they're just making up words man it's just a parody of king's x but there's some really good stuff on this album but pillow is not <laughs> pillow is not that Pil yeah well pillow so wow oh, oh gosh we can talk about dragon breath dude like <laughs> that the bass in pillow is just like what and that that is a song that they do live all the time Really, and it, it just crushes live, and and um and it's so much fun to um to sing it, and you know I you know this go around I really really appreciate the um the the very last line of the song, which is you know teach an old dog same old trick, uh, really cool. Um, wow, this is crazy. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I think you have to have complain in there because it's like the only lighthearted song on yeah. the album, practically. Besides "Go to Hell," which is just you know whimsical or whatever. That that we definitely lost the loudness war on "Go to Hell." That just sounded like a mistake. Yeah. Um, I I'd be willing to take off manic depression. I don't think that does anything for. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, that yeah, yeah, that could just be like a YouTube thing or a single or whatever live show. Yeah, it didn't have to go on here. So this, so this is interesting. This, I think, this is a good segue into the the consistent lack of ability to pick a good single from their albums. We talked a little bit about this last time, guys. Um, so I believe the only single from Dogman was the title track, which, although is, what's that, Joe? I, I don't want to derail you, Paul, but this has oh. actually been bugging me for a week. Oh, does anyone know what the Dogman is? No, the, I thought it was biblical. I looked it up, and there was some kind of thing. Speculation, though, I didn't find any hardcore like interview with the band kind of a thing. Okay, I was just, I was, I'm still curious. Sorry, Paul. Continue on. I, lack, I'm lack sure. Of I've, I'm sure I've read or listened to Doug do interviews on, on that. I think it was just his. Um, uh, <clears throat> I think it was just kind of his reaction to. Um, Everything happening in life, like the, the struggles that were happening with music, he wasn't getting where he wanted. Uh, people were always, you know, are they Christian? Are they not Christian? What's going on? And, and, um, and I, you know, I think there was a lot of anger in this album as well. So I think that's just part of, uh, part of that. Um, so, but anyway, uh, perhaps that was what inspired the selection of Dogman to be their single for this. The fact that maybe they thought they would spark some controversy or confusion amongst their fans as to what is Dogman. And I do actually, I think I remember people ask, actually asking me, what is, what's Dogman? And I would probably just say something stupid like, oh, I don't know, but it's awesome, you know? <laughs> <laughs> However, I think that there are some, there are some really good options uh, for singles here other than Dogman, that might actually present the band to, um, in a different light, to maybe those who are not as familiar with the band, or those who are familiar with the band and are looking for something different out of them, a different reason to like the band, right? Because that's what you do with singles, right? You 
it's an advertisement for your record. It's something, you know, hey, you might know about us and you think we're like this, but here's some a little something that you may not have heard before. But they consistently deliver the same stuff that has never worked as far as driving a large audience. So, like, the first one that is obvious to me is the song Pretend. That seems very accessible, and that could be a good single. So I'm going to take that one off the table. Pretend could be a single. I'm very interested to hear what other songs could be singles instead of Dogman from, from all of you guys. See, that's a, that's a good question because I don't know if any of them really could be. I mean, because... Um, and I think this is—I think this is a, a good segue to ear candy because, um, I mean, Paul, you, I mean, you, you brought up some some good points, but it's really um, ear candy is the album they had the most trouble with their label, um, and the one that um, they they had the least fun working on, I guess, because the label was giving them a lot of pressure to do just that, Paul. And it was to just get songs with singles. And so if you're talking about what could have been the best song on, on Dogman, I think, well, I, I think Dogman was probably the best one because um, it was the most excessive um, and it, it, it sort of... Uh, but then again, I don't think anything on the album... Screams out, okay, great single. This is King's X. Uh, this is us. Um, <laughs> like the songs on on Ear Candy. Um, I don't know if you guys want to want to get to that one yet, but um, I don't know if. I mean, I I think it's a rock solid album, but I can see where the label would have a bit of a problem. Um, with with Dogman because I don't know if there are I mean there's there's a difference between having good songs and like a good single so I can see where this was leading up for for the sort of um, uh, parting ways that they had with the label and uh, what what ear candy was so I mean that was a good seg segue. What was that? So you bring up you bring you bring up good points, Tom. And ear candy is a whole another story. So I hope we have this exact same conversation on ear, ear candy, but it's a, it's a different one. But it's a it's a it's a whole another conversation. But thinking about like, because I agree, there's probably a lot of songs on here that just wouldn't float as a single, as um, you know, but like I think if you. If, if they're willing to go ahead and put Dogman out there and say, yeah, this is a good single, then, like, it's hard for me to, to, to understand how they passed up Pretend. Because I think from a single standpoint, it's much more accessible. It's something that could, it could have potentially uh, crossed over, but it could have at least uh, appealed to more people than just the regular King's X fan base, I think. And even for that matter... Um, Given, given where we were at that time in music, Pillow, I think, would have crushed as a, as a single. And I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about like, the hits channel. I'm talking about, like, I, I, I guess, whatever the rock station was, whether it was 94 or 93, I can't remember, you know, what was doing what. But, you know, the kind of channels that were playing um, 
Stone Temple Pilots and Pearl Jam, and they were and they were driving that kind of music. Heavier, yeah, but but you know, Dogman. I mean, this kind of it's kind of weird. <laughs> Just um, yeah, I I guess pretend would be a little bit better. Um, but I, I think the difference is negligible. Um, I, I think, um, I mean, I, 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 I just don't know if, if I, I would agree with you that pretend would be better than Dogman. I guess what I'm having a problem with is that I just don't know being that the time it came out, 1994, and the fact that King's X had had, in my opinion, uh, better singles that didn't really happen, um, pretend doesn't stick out as being something that would really get them over the top. Like that, that would not be something that would um, elevate them uh, and, and to, to, to be more accessible. Than, than they were previously. So while I agree with you that pretend would be better than Dogman, I don't I don't think that it's anything that would really help them. Fair enough. Let's agree on this. Whether pretend or Dogman, both were much. Yeah, both of them were much better than Black Flag from the King's X album. <laughs> Can you articulate yeah. what is like? Like I, I'm not a huge fan of Black Flag, but it it does seem like a slightly peppier King's X song with some, you know, uh, charting potential. Like, like why is it? Why why do you disagree with that choice? So I guess I guess for me it becomes a question of um, the choices that are made on most of their albums. They they take the song that is that has the most well-known commodities about King's X. There's, you know, there's distorted guitar. There's a very often one of those like seven augmented uh, um, ninth chords or whatever they are. And there's some, uh, and they're just the same kinds of songs that we've been hearing since Out of the Silent Planet. And, you know, it's, it's like, it's insanity. It's like we keep releasing the same kinds of songs and they just don't seem to get anywhere. The biggest hit that they had was It's Love. And you can make an argument that most of Faith of Love doesn't really sound like It's Love. Um, but, the, but they just keep going back to these same types of, of songs that all, all it does is it throws out a signal to everyone who's already going to buy their record that, hey, King's X has another song. We're going to play you the worst one from the album right now. <laughs> so, you, so you can go out and buy it and then hear all the other good ones that are on it right and i don't think dogman is the worst song on the album i just you know it's it's and 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 i think that's and that's why it is canon like you know black flag to me you listen to the album king's x and every every single song sounds like it's grown from everything they've done before and then you hit black flag and you're like oh my this song sounds like it's you know it's back from out of the silent planet days. Hmm. Um, what's wrong with black the sky? Nothing. <laughs> okay, so that could have been a single. <laughs> it totally could have been a single. <laughs> okay. 
Okay. All right. But a single in the same way that Dogman was, not a single in the way that would bring new people in and is not really representative of the albums. That's how I would perceive uh, Black Disguise as a, as a single. I would, I would go with what Paul said, either pretend or uh, complain again, because they're kind of light and you know, more up-tempo. <coughs> well, they, we'll, we'll see, guys. This is the whole point here. And, and Paul, you just said it. It's Love is a very commercial song. It's a great yeah. song. It, it, it really encompasses what King's X is. Um, I think that should have been that song should have been, you know, uh, a, a breakout single that was, you know, much more than a than it was. My point is, if it's love didn't do it, nothing on Dogman is going to do it. So I don't know. I mean, you know, I think it's just a good album for people who love King's X. I don't know if there's really anything that would. Um, you know, help them that it's love, you know, if, if it's love couldn't do it. While promoting this, they opened for Pearl Jam, Motley Crue, The Scorpions, and Typo Negative. So I guess, you know, they're, they're saying goodbye to the it's love crowd and just trying to hit it with the heavy. Yeah, yeah. And there, you know, there was, there's something interesting about this too. I did hear on an interview, like, because everybody talks about why didn't Kings X make it? Everybody who loves them, loves them, and they're so great. And I heard a really good interview with with uh, Doug, and you know, and he one interview he just basically said he said you know we we never we never really broke through to the masses because you know not enough people like us, and you know he said you know he said people either you know people listen to King's X and they either absolutely love it or they just move on to the next thing and they they shake their head and they're not sure. And he talked about. Dogman, he talked about how there was so much support and there were so many people behind them and they were doing so well and they were so juiced on the on the record. And then they they got this um they got the spot at Woodstock and um he talked about you know being at Woodstock and it was so cool and they had a pretty good spot a pretty good slot to play and he was like and he talked about like the bands that played you know, the couple bands before them that played and he was like, you know, they played they played their set and then like next the next week they had, you know, like another fifty thousand record sales and then the other band played and they had like another sixty thousand record sales after that. And then we played and he said and nothing happened. And he said, So here we are on one of the largest venues that is possible in nineteen ninety four and playing the show of our lives and he was like, And nothing happened after that. It just kind of, and and he and 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 I really think that is probably all there is to it. You know, there's there are a handful of people that I know who like King's X, and the majority of them are represented right here on this. <laughs> 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 oh man! Well, and and you know, it's that goes back to you know, I guess Tom, you had made the point that. You know, if we really wanted to uh, to continue growing our podcast, if going into King's X was really the, the best choice that we had. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, what you're saying yeah. is, is that, that King's X is kind of like the black flag of uh, Palaver. <laughs> yeah. 
it's 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 a niche market. I think is is what we're getting to. So let's let's move on into ear candy and oh, one, one quick question, Joe. Before we move on, sorry. Yeah, no. One of the peculiar things about this record was that the, the little picture of the dog was released in four different colors. You could have either had a red one, a blue one, a yellow one, or a green one. That's correct. And I got a blue one, and I'm just curious to know how the rest of you made out. Uh, mine is yellow. Yellow. I think I bought a blue one, but I don't know. Yeah. You know what? Mine is in my has been in my attic, so I've been <laughs> listening to it on on YouTube. But I have I always have to have the red one up because it matches my studio. It actually matches my. Uh, uh, I I, uh, I I always will have to listen to the red one. I, okay. I, I, I like I like dogs, Joe. I know you're a dog lover. Um. Um. Uh, uh, but. But God, that's that's such a, a sad picture of a dog. I mean, I, I was never in favor of the picture. I never never got it. Oh really? <laughs> I think it's just the negative. It looks like a dog looking going bacon. Really? <laughs> <laughs> what about? So the other thing is, even though my CD case and it was blue, my disc was actually yellow. Did anyone have a different colored uh, disc no. based on there? No, my disc was also yellow. I don't, okay. I don't think so. I should say my disc is yellow since I still have it and still listen. Yeah, to it. yeah. It's um, it's just a. Uh, you know, I thought about that. Um, driving, listening to the car, I should dig out the disc and play the disc in my car and see the difference in sound, what it sounds like. I'll try to do that. I think. I think you should. That would be uh, interesting. <laughs> so you know, King's X breaks their Sam Taylor chains and they record Dog Man. Um, apparently they perform at uh, at Woodstock that year and make no dent in in expanding their base. And so then they they move on to 1996's Ear Candy, which you know I, it seems to be very much sort of a settling in of the of the pendulum. So while it's still markedly different from the Sam, Sam Taylor production. It does seem to be different um, than than Dogman, so it's 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 you know it, it it has sort of aspects of both of it, and you know I think there are aspects of that particular you know of, of the production on that album where you know some of these things that that Tom what you were talking about I think are a little bit more evident in terms of the 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 texture of the songwriting and everything else that. I think, in in certainly my experience, gets a little washed out in the 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 overwhelming noisiness of of Dogman. But you know, we've had some conversation here that suggests that you know maybe this was not the happiest album for King's X to make. Um, you know, when I was preparing for this, again, I had it in my head that Ear Candy was you know, not a solid album front to back. And I was kind of surprised to find out that I enjoyed it as much as I did as I was listening to it. It was not necessarily what I expected. Um, I knew there were certain tracks on here that I liked. And, you know, but at the same time, I, I found listening to it to be a not unenjoyable experience. 
Now, it's still not a Gretchen experience, um, but, you know, it, it, it wasn't... It wasn't what I expected or what I remembered at this point. Yeah. I mean, I uh, had a great experience with this uh, with this record. Um, I, I, I kind of had forgotten about it, to be honest with you. I know, um, you know, I, I just sort of, you have the King's X albums in your head and you kind of go through them and you know what songs you like, but for some reason... Um, you know, it's been uh, many years since I, I actually listened to this CD, and uh, I had kind of forgotten about it for a little while. And when I and I listened to it, I was really, really surprised um, how much I liked it, and I I really enjoyed Ear Candy. Um, I maybe I enjoyed it a little bit more than I thought because of the interviews that I had been watching. Uh, with, with King's X, and they were saying that it was their least favorite uh, recording, mainly because of the process and the heat that they were getting from the label to make a single, and they they hated that pressure. But so I, I'm thinking, listening to it now, man, there are so there are some incredible songs on here, and I don't know, I I think it's a lot more solid than I thought it was. I mean, I can't even think of it as a song that I. Um, don't like on it um but i think my my overall thought is maybe they needed that heat from the label you know because <laughs> I mean, look at tapehead and, and mr bulbous i mean yeah there's great songs on them i mean well, i'm sure we'll talk about those later um there's there's great songs on them but um maybe there's something to be said for someone standing over you and being like okay you know, show me the goods. So we, we need to, you know, we we want to get a, a single out. And um, I don't think of this album as, uh, I, I don't think of Ear Candy as like a sellout album uh, or like an album that they were just trying to make singles on. I, I think this is just, a. I mean, I've always liked big choruses. I'm always like a, you know, big chorus sort of junkie. So I like, I really, that's why I really love this 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 CD because it still has um, the heaviness. It sort of took some of the heaviness of Dogman, and it, it it still keeps all the the melody and the harmony that we love about King's X. Um, but it, it it kind of it has that um, just original sound, like these pop songs that are just sound so original and are so accessible. But it's this album that I'm wondering, like, wow, why wasn't this song a single? Or this song, this song. I could go down, hear Candy, and be like, you know, there's a lot of singles that they could have had on this. And I love them all. I mean, this was a really fun list. I've had, I've listened to this many times over the past week, and um, I, I, I seem to like it more and more as I, as I listen to it. So this was sort of a, I think this is really, this was, an example of um, why I like what we're doing so much with this with this podcast is because we're sort of rediscovering things that we haven't listened to in a long time, and uh, this was an example for me of um, why I, I like doing this with you guys because I sort of was able to rediscover something that I completely forgot about. I mean, I, I had I own ear candy, 
Um, again, it's in my attic with you know with the several hundred other CDs. But still, I bought it and I you know I listened to it when it came out. I liked it, but it um, for some reason it didn't stick to me. And uh, I'm wondering why it didn't stick to me because I'm still I'm in love with these songs right now. Yeah. So. I don't know. This is just been I wonder a if it has anything to do with the fact that the single they released for this was track three, Sometime, which in, in an album of all these great songs, like you mentioned, Tom, <clears throat> and, and particularly if you're a studio who is pressuring them to come up with songs that you know can expand their audience, why do you release... Not only a song that 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 sounds just like everything else that came before it, uh, but the only, the only song in in King's X history that could potentially be mistaken for uh, the the Fat Albert theme song. What? I, mean, <laughs> what? Uh, I, I gotta hear this. I, I, thought, I thought the words were mundane, but there's nothing really wrong with the song. I mean, it's it's and, and and they really got their arrangements right on here. I mean, sometime clocks in at three forty seven, so they they got rid of a lot of the five minute songs. It's it's just the you know this this is a skipper for me, right? Like when this was the single, and I was like, okay, I'm excited to hear King's X coming out. Like they're coming out with a new tune. This one's okay, but I know like you know there's probably something better waiting for me when I actually get the CD. And sure enough. <laughs> There, there's a lot better here on the CD, and I can just skip over track three every time I get wow, to it. Wow, I, I really disagree with you on that. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't know that sometimes was the single, to be honest. Okay. I had no idea what the single was on this. I mean, who knows, pays attention to a single on a King's X album anyway. I mean, at this point <laughs> in their career, I mean... I think what, that's the problem, Tom. No one was paying attention <laughs> to what well, the single was. I mean, yeah, but you want to look at previous mistakes, not at 1996. I mean, uh, I honestly, I wrote down even because, you know, Joe always asked, what's your favorite on this song? What's your least favorite? Sometimes right, it was, right. I, I wrote down that that's my favorite song on this on this CD. Really? Yeah. I mean, I don't wow. know if it should have been the single. Uh, I mean, I'd have to, you know, think about that for a second. But that actually is my favorite song on Ear Candy. Why? Why was wow. why was the train not the single? Was what? Why was the train not the single? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, that was another good one. I mean, I mean, you know, that is a how about yeah? Or thinking and wondering what I'm going to do. That would oh, be a good that's one. so good. Or or how about a box? Like a box. The chorus is a little redundant, but um, not only is it a great song. But would you, Glenn would Phillips you say from Toto at Sprocket sings on it. So you've got you, like a tie into another band. Yeah, but that was the there coil days. So, I mean, they were already born. Uh, <laughs> hey, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> no, I actually, I, I have to agree with you on that. Actually, I wrote down um, a box is like, like my close second. So, I mean, I do like that one as well. But, I mean, any of these songs, I mean, Mississippi Moon, I mean, there's just uh, so many great songs on the CD. It's yeah. Uh, I think Mississippi Moon needed to be acoustic. It's it's one of these uh, reaching back and kind of doing like uh, uh, you know 
touching retrospective thing. And I, I, I think some of the heaviness of Mississippi Moon misses the, the theme there. But, but, but yeah, I agree. That's a good one. What was the thinking and wondering? That's one cut that um, I the, the drums stick out because it, they're just you have a lot of the toms. You yeah. know, uh, Jerry's playing off the time, and it just it really comes out as being really rich. So, um, but you know, who the hell listens to the drums anyway? No, just kidding. Um, Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, so I don't know. I mean, I, this is really one of my sort of closet favorite uh, albums. I mean, I, I'm I'm absolutely yeah. loving this album. Uh, and so maybe yeah, one one of one of the things. One of the things that I find interesting about this album is, you know, and, and we've sort of talked about this during some of the, the Yes episodes, and, and I, I've heard about this in, in other areas, the the visuals of this. I mean, coming from Dogman into this, everything about the visual presentation of this album, totally different. And, you know, it's, it's almost like, you know, you pick it up and you wonder what you're going to hear. Um, so I find that to be somewhat interesting, but in this conversation that we're just having right now, and I'm just kind of looking at the list, it's almost like you'd have a, an easier time saying which one of these songs shouldn't be a single as opposed to which one should be the single. Right. Uh, you know, True. which is, it, it, it's an interesting situation for this band. And yet again, they, you know, ear candy didn't apparently generate any, any larger audience for them than they had already. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, you know, again, I think that it comes from, you know, if you always do what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always gotten. And I think when, you know, they re any company is going to release the single sometime, it appeals to only the people who know King's X and like King's X. And, and who goes out to buy a single? Those same people. And the record company goes, oh, all that pressure we put on them, all that work that we did, and uh, it's just the same exact results as before. And then they start looking over at their other bands, and they're like, yeah, maybe we should just put all our money into them. These guys are have been around forever, and it's not going to work out for them. And, so, and and then they and then they move on. So like it's it's really it's really a shame that there's there's no forward thinking because if if they would have released something like a box or thinking and wondering or Mississippi Moon. They, they would have completely opened eyes to many other people. And maybe it would have been something silly like, you know, extremes pornography, where like everybody went out to buy it because of more than words, and then they would put it in. But I think, honestly, just to our point here with ear candy, that wouldn't have been the experience for, for most folks. I think they would have, I think that was more likely to happen with Faith, Hope, Love than it would with ear candy because so many of these songs are you know like like you said can they really they got the arrangements down and they've they got the time right um there's really there's really a huge opportunity here that was that was missed it's a bummer mm, all right so we we sometimes play the game what was released in this year and uh we 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 we, we, we vaguely covered that theme by talking about the uh, Woodstock concert um, but it, it, it it's only two years that 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 progressed since um, that Woodstock concert but the, the names are the same so uh, down on the upside Soundgarden 
released something in nineteen nine that in nineteen ninety six, and then um, uh, uh, I don't know, Rage Against the Machine, Evil Empire, uh, yeah, Stone Temple Pilots, Tiny Music, uh, oh, Tool, Enema. So that's that's kind of a big one there, and. Um, uh, Tori Amos, Boys for Pele, Cake Fashion Nugget kind of made a statement back then. So, so it was an interesting time. There, there was no way for King's X to really fit into any of this stuff. You know, guys, especially with Sometime being their single. <laughs> You're right. I said especially with Sometime being their single. Yeah. It sometimes was a little too positive for the crazy dark stuff that was going on during this period. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you look, I mean, if Black Flag didn't do it, and that was, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you think, well, sometime you would want to try something that was different from something that was drastically different. So that, in that way, I could understand that maybe sometime would be the single because... Um, I mean, Black Flag is kind of a dark song that uh, it's not really the most upbeat. I mean, it's it's upbeat in a King's X way, but uh, and not in a sometime way. So I mean, it is it is a different type of song. Uh, now I know, Paul, you don't agree with that, but I guess whatever. Well, you know, so I you know I don't want to I don't want to say that like just because I'm busting on these songs like. I, you know, I actually do like sometime. I, you know, it. I do skip it a lot, but it's mostly just because I want to get to a box. You know, um, for for me, this album as 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 much fun as I had listening to Dogman and um, and going through that. I really still felt like, you know, King's uh, like the um, the last three albums, Dogman, King's X, and um, Faith, Hope, Love, were all very like. They had there was like a single tone to everything. There was there was it was I think I called it monochromatic last time. There wasn't very much color in the music. It was all the same. And and when Ear Candy came out, I was like, oh, like the color is back. You know, there are different there's different sounds happening, there's different textures. And it it really I really love this when it when it came out in ninety six. I listened to it all the time. And um you know, even as you get deeper into the album, you know, songs like um, songs like Fathers and so the, the song Picture is is incredible. And um, the American Cheese is really like um, uh, it's just very creative and it's kind of out there and it's cool. Um, but uh, those deeper tracks even are just killer. And so I really love this album when it came out. I listened to it through and through. And, um, you know, for me, it was like the colors back and, um, you Much know, like so, the packaging. Yeah. <laughs> At least that's consistent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, four months after this was released, Rush released Test for Echo. Did you guys like that one? Okay. Yeah. Test for Echo is not my favorite. Yeah. Not my least favorite. Yeah. I mean... I um, had a big problem with Test for Echo just because it wasn't Counterpart, and that was one. I mean, Counterpart was one of my favorite CDs that had come out, and you know, in that chunk of time in recent years, 
I was completely in love with that CD. So, um, you know, when Test for Echo came out, uh, it's just sort of suffered from the not being what the last one was. But I did listen to it recently, and I, I did like it more than I, I, I thought I did. But, um, you know, that's a whole other conversation, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I, it was Peter Collins. Yeah, it, it was a little, like, so, Ken, there there's a good example of the loudness wars, and I feel like the bass was the boominess of that was just um, ridiculous. But um, I, I was a fan of that when it came out, but for me, that album never really stood the test of time. Mm. I mean, it, it was a rough time for the, the folks who'd been around a while, like King's X and Rush, because the scene was really opening up then and labels were opening up to weirder and weirder stuff. Yeah. Jay, what, what are your overwhelming thoughts in terms of ear candy? I mean, does, does this work for you? Does it not? But at the risk of making Tom very mad, uh, I would have called this album Cotton Candy. <laughs> <laughs> it's sugary, it's sweet, it's nice. Um, the songs are good. I, I, you know, It's not like I dislike this album. The songs are good, but none of them to me are great. Um, I'm looking at the times... Uh, <laughs> Three minutes, you know, three and a half minutes. Looking for love is under three minutes. Uh, there's, there's not a lot of you know longer songs on here. Picture is five and a half minutes, um, and it, it really smacked. When I listened to it, it smacked to me of a band that's evolving, you know, and evolving away from how they were. Um, and I know some of their later albums, you know, I think got a little heavier again, but this one bothers me i guess in that regard that it's it's so light um and i like the same songs you guys were talking about but none of them you know I keep mean, me how can you say looking for love is light i mean that's just such a mammoth song <laughs> yeah uh, see if I, I would expect them to make that the single because it doesn't sound like the rest actually, of the album right <laughs> i agree with you actually, that was when i was very surprised paul when you said it was the other one um, because now that we're thinking about it, I thought that was the "Looking for Love" was the single. Yeah, "Looking for Love" would have been a fantastic single. Yeah, when you're in your car, you're driving down the road, and on that, you have that come in. It's like, oh, oh, you just like <laughs> you just scream your head off. It just feels yeah. so good. It's such a great song. Yeah, yeah, and the vocal breakdown where they do the yeah, yeah. Oh. Love right back to it. Oh, that, oh, that is such a great part of that song. Oh, great. <sighs> I don't know where the name came from, but to me, the, you know, Ear Candy, it pretty much describes this album for me. <laughs> and it was <laughs> like they're giving the middle finger to the record company. Like, here, here's some Ear Candy for you, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, 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 and it's interesting that, you know, this album was made presumably under, you know, a certain amount of duress from the record company, and they end up, you know, releasing the the same type of single they always release, get the same sort of response that they always get, and then they get dropped from the label because I believe this was their last one for, um, for Atlantic. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Mm. Well, the the producer. Arnold Lonnie, he's Canadian, so we could just call this King's X's Canadian album. <laughs> I mean, if you listen to Canadian it's music... It's a very nice it, album. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, Canadian music is generally nicer than, you know, American music. Right? A little poppier, more, more diverse. Well, I guess, um, you know, maybe when uh, when King's X are here in Dallas in January, I'll, uh, we'll arrange to have a sit-down with Doug, and we can, you know, grill him about uh, the experiences here making ear candy and, and what he feels about it today. I'm actually very curious to see i mean i could presumably go on setlist fm and, and see what they're playing now but i always like to go into a show not knowing what it is they're going to play oh. so I'm, I'm very i'm very curious to, to to see what songs they're still playing from the, well, the breadth of their catalog it's funny joe that you uh, that you bring that up um because one of the things that so there's two things around the, the king's x live show and jay was at the last one um that i was at and um, the first thing is, is Ken, you mentioned about the drop tuning. So they do drop down two whole steps at their shows now. So if you've seen any YouTube videos of, of, um, of their recent shows, you will, especially if you listen to a song like uh, uh, Flies and Blue Skies, it will almost sound like... You know, someone's got the record playing at this at like a slower speed or something like that. <laughs> it you just like wow. And when you're at the show, it's I, I you know to me when I'm at the show, I don't notice it as much, except like when I go to sing. Well, part of it, I'm like, wow, this is frighteningly comfortable. Um, <laughs> but but the um, you know you don't you don't notice it. You do I do kind of notice it live with the backing vocals because sometimes. You know, the song is already so low that, you know, if there's a lower part, nobody can sing it because it's just too low. Um, but it is it does change kind of the aff affect of of the performance when the songs are, are, are dropped down. But the other thing about the King's X live show is that they have been playing the same set list for years. They have, you know, like 16 tunes and they had they just keep playing them over and over again. Um, and oh, on their last tour, uh, I think when we saw them, Jay, I think they may have like put in one or two new ones that they hadn't done in, in several years. So they were pretty much kind of sticking to the same. The same type of uh, of uh, set list, I can tell you that. Um, you know, thinking and wondering what I'm going to do, and a box was were both in the set list. Um, nice. And uh, you know, it was uh, you know they always did those songs really well. Um, yeah, this I really like. I really like this one. This one might be surprised you how high I have it ranked in my uh, in my uh, however many albums we've done now six. Yeah. Yeah. This is our sixth one. Oh, they're still doing cigarettes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Check that out. Cool. Oh, Lost in Germany, you guys. Oh, what is it with uh, that? Tune? I think I think that's a new ad. That's really? a new ad. That's one what they haven't done. Lost in Germany. So I guess it is good. They're they're oh really they're really picking it up. Maybe if you weren't writing silly songs, you wouldn't have gotten lost. I mean, I just oh, <laughs> I never got me? that one. Oh man, it's a good thing I wasn't. <laughs> talking about this one last oh, week. Come on, that riff, that riff is killer. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. 
<laughs> All right. So um, since we're 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 getting pretty late out on the East Coast, um, any any sort of closing thoughts from the panel on either of these two albums, the general arc of King's X to this point, or life in general? Yeah, you know, I I just like to say that you know we've been talking about sort of like oh what was me with King's X you know not being as big as we think they should have been or as big as you know I'm sure they had, I hope they were but you look at them and you look at you know they were able to make a living for all these years um, and it's better than I mean look at anything that's coming out now um, you know we don't know what's I mean no one's making a living um, so it's I'm thankful that a band like King's X even though they weren't you know playing in arenas or whatever I mean I'm just I'm just glad that you know we we got their music and I'm almost um, in in sort of a weird way I'm appreciative of the fact that they didn't go you know mega platinum because who knows what they would have done you know um, at, at that point, would we have gotten the same stuff later, or were, were they? Did they, being that they were still hungry, did they sort of, you know, keep it, keep it King's X? And um, I mean, if 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 ear candy is the poppiest thing they've done, then I think we're in we're in great shape because we still maintain the integrity of of King's X. But what actually, what I was trying to say is that. Um, I, I mean, kudos to them for um, sticking to it all these years, you know, still playing to this day and making a living uh, because, I mean, the last 10 years have been a complete debacle as far as, you know, the rock scene. So, I mean, I mean, anyone who comes out now, you know, can't, can't pay their rent. So I, I'm, I'm just thrilled that... King's X was able to hold on enough to to make a living and keep going because you know we have some great albums. I mean, even some of the later stuff that we'll talk about later, uh, it's still it's still the you know the stuff still blows my mind. And yeah. they were able to and make some sort of a living. I mean, I don't who knows what, but well, they were you know, Tom, it's it's interesting that you you say that because I've I've heard a couple interviews with Doug where he actually talks about the fact that, you know, when they ask him, you know, what he's doing and what he's up to, and, you know, he said, basically alluded to the fact, like, he's just like everybody else. He's just like every other working musician out there. He's looking for ways to pay his bills. And that, you know, he, and he's actually said, like, he can't make, he said, like, me and the guys with King's X, we, you know, we can't make enough to, you know, to live off that, you know, to just do that full time. Like we have to do other things outside of that in order to, you know, to support ourselves. And in 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 a way, it it, it opens up the door for these many other things, like um, the KXM stuff, which is which is I think is really great. It's really fun stuff. Um, but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of a shame. And I've, you know, I know that like. You know, Doug is pretty active on social media. I think you can send him a message and say, you know, hey, I, you know, would you, you know, would you handwrite the lyrics to Summerland for me and send them to me? And he'll, and you know, if you pay him, he'll do that. Um, so, 
you know, it's, 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 I'm going to be interested because I can tell you personally that once we get into Tapehead, you know, I'm much less familiar with the five albums that come after, after Ear Candy um, than before. Um, so I'm going to enjoy going back and listening to Tapehead and Mr. Bulbous, et cetera, and, um, and to, to really kind of hear that. Um, but, but for me at this point, like, I think it does, it just, it really does kind of signify like, um, you know, kind of a, a downward turn and you know, not to be all doom and gloom. It's, it's awesome that they go out there and, uh, and do the stuff. And, you know, maybe, maybe the point for me is every time I go out and see them, like I'm always buying like two shirts or whatever, just to like, you know, try to pitch in. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Do, do they have posters, Paul? My wall probably is going to have another spot. <laughs> well, if they do, you will have one soon, I'm sure. I have um, no doubt. Yeah, but they, uh, you know, you know, to your point, Tom, it's just incredible the, uh, the the influence. Even though they probably don't have a ball as big as Bill Bruford or anyone, for that matter, the um, <laughs> the sphere of influence that that these guys have had on music is is pretty pronounced and. And and also extremely underappreciated by the um, the general public, I think. Definitely by the general public, but um, yeah, it's good to hear that they are known throughout the music world. But you know, you Paul, I actually listened to that. Uh, there, there may have been more than one interview that that Doug uh, talked about that, but I, no. I listened to one of those, and um, my first thought, Paul, was that. Wow, you know, I thought King's X would be their money maker. Because, right. I mean, how much is it? You know, how much are they making off of, you know, Ty's solo record? You know, I it's mean, you true. think like, you know, or you know, Doug's solo record, or you know, whatever. So, um, I mean, are they really um, making money doing that? Uh, I, I think, to me, at least at a King's X show, you know, at least if you know three or four hundred people show up yeah. um you know at least they're you know they have a weak wage you know or something true. and and maybe it maybe it's um maybe it's just you know misunderstood like maybe it's just more age and um difficulty in maintaining uh that because they they do seem to tour in spurts you know they'll do a couple months and they'll take a couple months off and do a couple months and so so maybe it's it's more of that, and um, because it certainly seems like you know they could continue to tour. Um, they they seem to come to you know somewhere near Philly every year, um, at least once, and you know they they usually you know whatever. I mean, it's usually only small three hundred you know room seat rooms, but they'll sell it out. So who knows? It's good that they're still going though. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Tom, you said we were lucky to have this music. Absolutely. And the voices are so stellar. And they developed all that stuff, I don't know, before Sneak Preview or in Sneak Preview, and then solidified it all with King's X. In this age, before, before we were answering to smartphones and before we were distracted with all this crap. So... It, <laughs> it feels really genuine, like 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 this evolved among friends organically over time, exactly like we expected it to be. Nice, yeah, yeah. 
Well said, Ken. Uh, All right. Well, I guess that brings to a close this uh, this segment of King's X. We've got uh, a couple more to go, and then you know we have the open question of where do we go next. We can have that sort of discussion in our uh, our ongoing group chat, gentlemen. I thank you all for your participation. Um, those of you on the East Coast staying up late, Tom, thank you for taking care of your professional requirements um, and being able to join us here this evening. Always a pleasure to have you on board. Absolutely. It's, uh, it's, it's great great seeing you guys. Great talking to you guys this week. Yeah. So un one. until next time, gentlemen, and uh, I guess next time we'll be talking about uh, Please Come Home, Mr. Bulbous and Tape Ed. So get your get your Spotify going and, and be prepared, gentlemen. Nice. Mm. Rock. All right, guys. Have, a, have, have yeah. a great week. so much for listening to this episode of progressive palaver we hope you've enjoyed the conversation we as always encourage and welcome your thoughts and your feedback please reach out to us um, you can contact contact us on email we are at progpala p-r-o-g-p-a-l-a at gmail.com you can tweet us at progpala we are also available on facebook and instagram um, and you can also find us on youtube Progressive Palaver is, as always, available for subscription on iTunes and Google Play and anywhere you can find your favorite podcasts. We look forward to the next episode when we continue our discussion of King's X.